You're listening to Rocks Across the Pond, the curling podcast that goes around the globe looking for the best stories in the world's coolest sport. We have curling news and views for everyone, whether you're playing in your Thursday league or following your favorite teams on tour. Now here are your hosts, Ryan McGee and our professor of Peel, Jonathan Havercroft. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Rocks Across the Pond. It's a curling podcast coming to you from Richmond, Virginia. My name is Ryan McGee, and joining us in Southampton, England, is our professor of Peel, Jonathan Havercroft. Jonathan, it's been a while. It has. When did we last talk? It must have been August. I think so. It's been a while. Was it really August? Yeah, because September I've been super busy. So. Yeah, September flew by. We dealt with the four-month sleep regression with the newborn. That has not been fun. Um, but yeah, doing okay. That's good. You're wearing your Sooner shirt, I see. Yeah, Even it's, though uh, it's, it's OU Texas week. Texas is going to win, aren't they? They are. Yeah. That's okay. It's fine. It's okay. <laughs> I really don't have anything fun to talk about because this isn't going to be a fun episode and I don't want us to do like cheerful banter leading into a topic as absolutely horrendous as this one. So we might as well just get... Right into it, as we have yet another, um, yet another issue facing USA Curling. This one involving USA Curling CEO Jeff Plush, who has been a guest on this show before. Yeah, he has. Do you, you've read the report? I think more closely than I did. You sent it to me, and I flipped through the. I did a a find thing function. He told me to to read the passage about Jeff's actions, but. I mean, where do, you wanna... do you, where do you even start? Uh, this is the, a report from a report was released earlier this week. We are recording this on Friday, October seventh, and earlier this week on October third, the office of former what she's the, the former um, attorney general for the U.S. I think is that right, Sally Yates. Um, released a report about allegations of abusive behavior and sexual misconduct in women's professional soccer. This includes the NWSL and includes um, issues that arose while the current USA Curling CEO, Jeff Plush, was commissioner of that league. And Plush is mentioned several times in this report. Um, having received allegations of improper conduct and abuse from coaches in this league. And it details what Plush did to inform, or in some cases not inform, others of these allegations. And it calls into question whether or not while he was commissioner of the NWSL, if Jeff Plush did enough to protect the athletes of his of this league. 
Yeah, so it's a pretty it's a pretty damning report. I think and I think the other thing that jumped out to me was after it was released the was the CEO of US Olympic and Paralympic uh or uh, yep, USOPC. Yep. USOPC. The US Olympic and Paralympic uh committee. Committee. Um described the report as appalling and uh specifically cited USA curling in her comments. So Yep, that is uh, USOPC CEO Sarah Hirschland, and according to reporting by USA Today's Nancy Armour, Hirschland sent a letter uh, to um, the staff of the USOPC saying that she is in discussions with USA Curling's board of directors uh, and that they, she expected these conversations to continue in the coming days. And that letter um, had very harsh words for for the details that are in this report, specifically as they um, as they show Jeff Plush's actions while he was commissioner of the NWSL. So, I, I it's going to be an interesting time coming up for USA Curling. USA Curling released a statement saying that. They did their own independent investigation a year ago, so this would have been October of 2021, and their findings was that Plush, quote, acted in accordance with prioritizing the safety of athletes, and that they found that to be the case. So now, viewing that through the lens of this report that has come out a year later, I'm going to be real honest with you. I think that there are two options here. Because if you look at USA Curling doing its own report a year ago, and then the details that are in the Yates report that came out this week, one of two things are true about the report from a year ago. Either Jeff Plush lied to the USA Curling Board of Directors, or honestly, USA Curling needs a heart transplant. Because if they had the exact same details that are in this Yates report a year ago, and in their judgment, they find that Jeff Plush acted in accordance with prioritizing the safety of athletes, you can't do anything with with people who who feel that way. To be honest, in my opinion, yeah, it's and the, in the broader context here. I think with uh, the United States Paralympic Olympic Committee is they've already been through several similar scandals in other Olympic sports, kind of most high profile would have been the gymnastics scandal, but uh, several other sports have also kind of been called into question lately. So I think uh, the CEO coming down so harshly kind of makes it clear that there's going to be basically zero tolerance here for this. Mm -hmm. And that certainly kind of puts Jeff Plush's position into question, but I think actually more broadly, raises questions about the board also, because um, I think that's the follow-up question that's going to come from the United States Paralympic and Olympic Committee too, is where was the oversight? Because that is the board's primary responsibility. And I think the, the primary situation that Plush was involved in, according to this report, was in 2015 when he was in WSL commissioner. He received an email from a player... Uh, from one of the teams in the NWSL in Portland and that detailed abuse, unwanted advances, misconduct, 
from the coach of that team. Plush then sent that email to U.S. soccer leadership as well as the legal counsel for the NWSL. And later on, after this coach was let go by the Portland team and the Western New York team looked to hire this same coach, that the information that Plush, as well as the U.S. Soccer Federation leadership received from the player, was not passed on to Western New York's uh, leadership and that this coach was allowed to be hired um, for another job within this league. That's kind of where you're where where we're at. And so the question is, did Jeff Plush do enough? And in my opinion, the answer is no. And we we are in a <laughs> we are in a post Penn State world where simply forwarding the impl- the information that you receive up the chain of command is no longer doing enough, especially when you are in a leadership position um, as commissioner of this league. Yeah, and so uh, it's yeah. So I guess the bigger issue in the report, or the biggest issue, is that there was multiple other attempts to hire the coach afterwards, and Jeff Plush was approached by those organizations, those clubs, and um, he didn't alert them to uh, the past history involving this coach. And in fact, there are emails where he relays to U.S. soccer leadership that um, that these details were, I mean, basically that the opposite was told to, to some of these, some of these other clubs from the Portland club. Yeah. And he didn't do anything to, to stop the spread of that, that misinformation either. Yeah. Yeah. So if you look at the question, so really the question is, can curlers both in US high perform US high performance curling as well as the curlers that make up the membership of USA curling can they have confidence in Jeff Plush to protect athletes going forward and in my opinion the answer is no yeah i have to agree with that i think that the timing of it's just like from an organize because like what, the members' assemblies vote is this weekend, is it? Um, it's coming I think, up. I think it's in a week. Yeah. It's in a week, right? But I, I'm just following the the Twitter spiel, and, you, and there's a lot of uh, chatter about that. People getting their votes in and everything, right? So our previous episode was looking at Grand National Curling Club, and kind of just like we, we did like interviews with uh, Dean Gemmel and uh, yeah, uh, Kristen Conrad about the um about that issue so that's coming to a head at the exact same moment the uh, ceo of the organization's facing pretty serious allegations and kind of significant questions about his position also so the organization's quite clearly in a crisis mode right now yeah and it's it's just been it, it's frustrating and it makes me mad just as someone who is a curler in the U.S. and how much I love curling and love USA curling, and to see to see this and to see statements like the one that USA curling put out 
in support of Jeff Plush, like really just frustrates me to no end. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I don't know what goes, I mean, I, I would be surprised if he remained in post. I mean, but you never know. But I think like the, <laughs> I think that would actually be even more damaging at this point. Um, yeah. I think it's a question of, of when, not if he is no longer the CEO of USA curling, even if the, even if the board chooses to, to keep him, I think that, uh, pressure from the USOPC, um, I think will eventually be enough to lead to his ouster and, and the clubs, quite frankly, right? Like yeah. there's, um, I mean, like, as I said, right, this is a moment where a lot of clubs are questioning their membership and this might be one more thing for people to think about leaving the organization. And while USOPC's, um, like a large pot of money, that's mostly ring fence for high performance curling. And they can certainly, they have in the past when they've been unhappy with the USA curling's performance escrowed that money. Um, you know, if, if member stuff clubs start pulling out, that's the other significant chunk of USA curling's budget. Right. So there's, there's a serious kind of financial risk to the organization as well. And it's said that that has to be what, what eventually puts pressure on USA curling to do the right thing here. It, it is, I mean, it is, you know, you know, you don't know, right? Like there is like having been on the board, um, one of the things that's kind of drilled in your head is it, it base, you basically have what's called collective responsibility. So if you're a board member and especially in kind of super tight, what I imagine is deliberations like this, you're actually not allowed to talk or, or go on social media. So I think I, I understand the silence for the moment, but I think if it kind of drags through the weekend and into next week and there's just nothing or we're standing by our CEO, that that perhaps puts the board in a fairly precarious position too. I think we all just need to be better from from the CEO to the board on down and like I don't know man like reading this report and seeing the reactions of the athletes that were hurt by it I don't know it makes me think of like it makes me think of how how I can make a difference and how in the past maybe I haven't made a difference and where I can where I can be better. And I don't know. I I go back to instances that I've had where I maybe failed to do the right thing. Like I think back to a situation where I was a new hire somewhere. And I heard a comment between one male colleague and one female colleague. And well, the female colleague didn't really react to it and was more laughing about the comment, you know, in my head, I'm like, okay, I don't know these two's relationship. I'm a new hire here. I don't want to rock the boat. I'm not going to say anything with the benefit of hindsight. You now know that that's the wrong thing to do. Like yeah. the bare, I did not even do the bare minimum and the bare minimum there would have at least been to go to the female colleague and say, Hey, this is what I heard. It didn't sit right with me. How can I support you? Yeah. And I didn't do the bare minimum. Yeah. And so it, it's a matter of everyone being better, myself included. Yeah. And I, I, as your, does your organization do active by, bystander training or? 
Yeah, uh, this or the new one that I'm with now definitely does. Did I have that before? Did I have that at the position that I was at where this happened? Nope. Yeah. And a lot, a lot of that's education. It, the, the education that I have received from the employer that I'm with now has been incredibly beneficial. It has made me think back on situations like that. It made me think about what I would do in certain situations. And I think it's made me a better person. And I hope that in the future, if I ever have the opportunity to do that again, that I'll do the right thing. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think a lot of this stuff, I mean, active, active bystander training has really just come online the last few years. Right. But, but even, like, I've worked at a university for uh, 20 plus years now. Right. And while we have to do sexual harassment training regularly, it's to be honest, it's fairly poor and not aside from like basically saying these behaviors are unacceptable and you report stuff to HR, it doesn't really go into much detail. Uh, and, and so, so these other, other kinds of trainings maybe just kind of make people more aware of what they can and should do, uh, in these kinds of situations, but. It's, I guess to me, the other question in the back of my mind is the vetting process that's going on here um, for hiring people at USA Curling. Yeah. And again, like I said, it makes me think, like training I've had now makes me think back on what I've done in the past. And we, we, it's, we, it's not funny. We talked about it when we did, we did an episode when Jeff Plush was hired. Yeah. And one of the things I mentioned was... That it was interesting to me when I reached out for quotes about Jeff Plush, that all of the men I reached out to got back to me immediately and had glowing things to say about him. And all of the women I reached out to did not reply to multiple, multiple times that I reached out to them to ask, you know, hey, we've hired this new CEO. What do you think about him? Mm-hmm. Should that have raised alarm bells with me? Yeah, it probably should have. Well, I mean, to be fair, it did, right? <laughs> like in our private chat, but there's, I mean, there's not as, not as much for, I could have, I don't know, dug deep. I'm not saying that I'm like this yeah. investigative journalist that would have uncovered everything that's in the Sally Yates report way back in, and that I would have magically uncovered this all the way back in February of 2020 when, when Jeff Plush was hired by USA Curling, but I think that's a I think that's a question that needs to be asked is how should we have expected USA curling to have to have some of this information when they went through the hiring process back in 2020 uh, it's a it's an interesting question right I, I think that so when was the USA curling board report that was later it was 21. Yep, that was October of twenty one, and so that's after the news stories broke about the the U.S. women's professional. Yep, soccer, that was right? that was after the series of stories by the Athletic that led to the report that was just released by um, Sally Yates, and there is another report that is being done by the NWSL and the NWSL Players Association that uh, is ongoing and should be released 
sometime in the sometime in the somewhat near future. Yeah. So I, I don't know enough about the hiring process. I believe they probably use like a headhunting firm, some kind of recruitment firm. So part of that's what's that firm doing, right? Uh, in terms of vetting candidates. And then part of it's like, what's USA Curling's internal vetting procedures, right? There was, there was similar, similar questions asked about Derek Brown when he was coaching USA Curling because there was um, a case in Scotland prior to him being hired involving Gail Monroe. Uh, and you can just Google that. I, don't, I can't, off the top of my head, I can't get enough of the details, but there was, there was a similar issue there as well that, um, you know, there's, there's a history here, let's say, of an organization hiring people who have, at the very least, questionable past, right? Um, and that, that can do kind of serious damage to the risk of the organization to say nothing of kind of possibly pe- putting people at risk. So where do we go from here, Jonathan, other than I can't imagine Jeff Plush being the CEO for much longer, but beyond that, where where should USA Curling go from here? I, I mean, I think it needs a some kind of reboot, right? Like, I, I, it's a serious question. And it starts from the board on, on down. I, you know... Um, And I guess who they hire as a CEO next, right? And um, who's allowed to make that hire? And who's allowed to make that hire, right? And, and you know, a lot of a, a lot of sports in the Olympic movement are going through this struggle right now, right? And um, there's there's two tensions, right, right now in the Olympic movement. So and, you know, in a certain sense, like Simone Briles is like the perfect um, emblem of this, right? Because there's like being being demanded to perform at your absolute best, but then the pressures that go with that and the, the corruption that perhaps kind of sneaks into an organization where if winning medals is the be all and end all, and we start putting the safety, the mental health, um, and kind of the personal autonomy of athletes aside in order for an organization to win as many medals as they can, I think that actually creates a pretty toxic stew. Right, which allows a lot of this kind of stuff to fester. Yeah, and USA Curling not the first to go through this, nor will they, nor will they be the last. I mean, it's. I, I think that if you if you had Sally Yates investigate any other sporting organization, or really, honestly, any Fortune five hundred company or any major corporate. <laughs> Any, any other major corporation, you'd probably find a similar report. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's, you know, this is not the first sexual harassment case in sport, right? And it won't be the last, uh, unfortunately. But yeah. Um, I mean, I, I guess the big, I, I do think that USA Curling's at a serious crisis moment here, right? It's like a kind of a perfect storm brewing right now. I don't know how it comes out of it. I'm not sure who the leadership is going to be to kind of reestablish. But the, I mean, the big issue right now is trust, right? So between the membership issue with GNCC and this issue, um, a lot of trust has been lost I, with both uh, with both the kind of general club level members, the grassroots members, but I suspect also athletes in the high performance program too. Yep. 
yeah, I would definitely be interested to hear what some of them have to say about it. I personally have not seen, also, I've also been dealing with a sick toddler and I haven't been on Twitter. So I also have not seen any statements come out from any of USA Curling's high performance athletes, but I'd be I, interested I to hear what some of them would say. I, I don't know if that's fair, right? I think it's not, but I, I, I know that we, what, like, I know that like we have in the back of our mind, LeBron James, but LeBron James is like a billionaire and he can basically, you know, call a shot. <laughs> the NBA has to listen for, for your average kind of high performance curling athlete, you know, they don't make that much money. Their situation significantly more precarious and, you know, USA curling has got a monopoly, right? If you want to go to the Olympics, you got to, you know, play with the program. I, I know a lot of kind of high performance athletes who will, you know, off the record, you know, say things that, you know, they'll, they'll be critical or not like hypercritical, but raise questions or say what they like or don't like about the programs they're in. But I think most of them know that they can't go on social media and start mouthing off because there could be consequences. Right. So. <laughs> Which is also very sad. It's, it's sad, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't chastise anyone for doing that. Let's put it that way, right? Uh, I, I understand if someone's in their 20s um, and their dreams to get to the Olympics and they know that if they say things that rock the boat with an organization, the, the big fear is always retaliation, right? Or is your team going to get cut in funding? Are you going to get cut the next selection? Are other things going to go against you, right? So... And that, and that is sad, but that's, we have to be realistic that that's what the power, that's the power that um, people who run these high performance programs have. And that's often what lets a lot of this kind of abuse to creep into these kinds of organizations also. That's how we got in this situation in the first place with the, the player, Manishim, from the Portland club. She is brave enough to come forward with these allegations. And when... The coach goes to interview for another job. The leadership at the Portland club tells this other club that, oh, this coach was just put in a bad situation by a disgruntled player. Yeah. Like that's how this stuff keeps going and going and going. I I, I agree, but I also... I mean, like I said, I, I'm mad. I'm mad. Yeah, I know. I know you're mad, but I also think that if someone's like, like to to actually come out and go public with a complaint is, we have to acknowledge that it's also really risky for the person making it. Right? That retaliation's real. That that retaliation can come in all kinds of different shapes and forms. Right? Um, that the risks are real, and so I think that's why it's completely understandable why a lot of people in this situation would just want to keep their noses down and you know keep practicing and not say anything. And, and, yeah, and I, I think that sucks, right? I'm not like it's like the world's not a you know the world's not a place of perfect justice, right? It's just like it or sucks, any, but or any justice sometimes or any justice, right? It's just uh, it's unfortunate. Um, I, I think where the real power lies is with, with grassroots curlers, because actually, if you're honest about it, USA curling doesn't have that much power over you and they need members more than you need them. Right. That that's the hundred percent true. They need the membership dollars more than 
your average club curler needs the services they're getting from USA Curling. And, and to be clear, I'm not saying that everyone should just kind of leave USA Curling or the organizations useless, but there's a lot, I'm pointing out there's a lot of power there if people want to mobilize. Yeah. I guess that's why you get rid of regional representation, right? Because if everyone's an individual and everyone there, you know, there, there isn't group voting, it's a lot harder for individuals to, uh, to unionize. Uh, I <laughs> like the, hey. the social scientist in me is like, actually, you know, it, it's, it's actually probably a lot easier in that situation for people to organize. Right. Cause let, let's say you, all you need is 25% of the membership and you kind of can create a Twitter storm. I actually think it's, it's, um, it has other effects. It may clamp down on representation and voice, but um, you know, a massive deregistration campaign can also be quite, quite damaging and fairly, fairly easy to organize in this day and age, right? This is, you know, part of why a lot of these organizations, you know, like the, like the, like the NBA has been going through this too with the Robert Sarver case, right? And with um, Ime Odoka, who's the coach mm-hmm. of the Celtics, right? So two high profile sexual harassment cases there. And I guarantee you 10 years ago, <laughs> the league would not have cared about either of those cases, right? Yep, that's um, true. But uh, it's a different place now. And, um, you know, sports organizations depend on fans, depend on supporters, depend on money. And if people say, we're turning off, we're not going to support you, that that puts that organization in a pretty vulnerable place. Yep. I guess when you look at it that way, there has been progress. Progress is not linear, it's easy to get frustrated when faced with situations like these. It's the best thing that we can do is just as individuals try to be better and try to hold leadership accountable. Yeah, I think that's a good place to end. Thank you for listening to Rocks Across the Pond, a curling podcast. If you enjoyed this show, we ask you to please leave a review or tell a friend about us. Your referrals to friends and family are the greatest compliment we can receive and is what allows our show to grow and share our love of this great game. You can find all of our past shows and blog posts at rocksacrossthepond.com. If you have a question or comment, you can reach us at rocksacrossthepond at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to us, and we will talk to you again real soon. 